Hi, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 30 of Alice in Wonderland. I'm Vic Philipson in Kristiansand, Norway. And I'm Alice, and I'm in Ukemaden, Morocco's premier ski resort. <laughs> How's the snow? <laughs> there is no snow at there the moment. There is no snow? Not right now. Premier? Okay. No, okay. <laughs> Let's see. I think I'm probably closer to the snow than you are, if I had to guess. I think that is absolutely 100% definitely true. <laughs> Although we don't have any snow right now. It's only an hour to the next alpine skiing. So that's, uh, yeah, not right now, but we're getting there. Anyway, Alice, today we're going to take some questions from our, our not viewers, our listeners. And uh, I think we just hop right into that. How's that? That sounds good to me. Let's go for it, because this is our last podcast in the series. That's right. We'll be back next season. <laughs> and we'll, we'll keep you posted about when next season will be. We don't even know that yet. But let's start from Jack. We're here right at the top. What is your next adventure, and when is your next book coming out? Okay, very nice questions. Thank you for those. Um, have I ever mentioned I'm a best-selling author? You can yeah, buy no, my I, books on alicemorrison.co.uk forward slash books. I don't think you've ever <laughs> mentioned that. I don't think we've ever heard that. <laughs> okay, well, yes, I'm going to start with the book because this will be my fourth book. I had my second book with Simon and & Schuster, and I actually got the contract yesterday. Oh. So I will start writing, inshallah. I'm hoping to start writing at the beginning of December, and I guess it will be out in print, this is a guess, by kind of autumn, winter next year. Oh, it takes quite a while then. Hmm. Okay. Well, a book takes, I mean, I write, I'd say I write relatively fast, but it'll still take me four months to write. And then publishing does take a while. And also they have to schedule it according to what other, um, what other books and so on they've got. Okay. coming out so you know that's a big thing for them and the first oh somebody's the question... just arrived and brought me a piece of cake oh, oh there might be some munching noises <laughs> oh <laughs> and the question was also my next adventure yeah what is your next oh, adventure guys i have literally just finished <laughs> what is this haste what's the haste What's the haste? Um, the truth is, I think be because of the nature of adventures and things like having to raise sponsorship, I do plan. Plan is a plan is probably a, an ambitious word. I do fantasize well ahead, um, and I have two possibilities. At, in fact, I have three possibilities. One is in Europe, and it's a long a long walk again. And mm -hmm. one is in the Middle East possibly Middle East Africa. Uh, the first one I'm hoping to do in spring after I finish writing the book, but I can't confirm yet because at the moment, the countries I'm hoping to walk through are all in lockdown. Are all closed. Um, yep. They're all closed. But the theme of that adventure, if it comes off, will be a kind of um, a look at why we still kill each other in wars. That kind of a, wa a walk. Basically, I would like to commemorate the war dead from the great wars and to just raise awareness that you know, if at all possible, I think human beings should refrain from killing each other because God will do that for us. Thank you. <laughs> quite um, efficient at it, yes. Is, he's, he's amazing. He has a 100% success rate. Yes, he does. <laughs> so um, 
but that's that's hopeful and then the the second adventure is a big another big big exploration and that's looking again towards autumn next year but all of these things i'd say corona makes makes them even more maybes than usual because in any endeavor of this ilk it does come down to whether I can find sponsorship, whether I can find the correct partner to do the adventure with, whether the security situation in the country that I'm hoping to walk in is still stable. There's always a lot of unknowns. Mm. Do you know a season of gifts written by an Englishman who walked from, did he walk from Amsterdam to Istanbul just before World War II? Oh, it's a a wonderful, it's two books. It's a wonderful book. I will get it to you. Um, oh, thank it, you. It's a fantastic book. So okay, yeah. good top right. tip, everyone. Yep. Uh, J A L writes, and that's all J period A period L period uh, writes. Are you conscious of being a Scottish lady in Morocco, or as time has passed, living in Morocco, do you feel you belong? I think that's an amazing question, and it's a it's a complicated question, a complicated answer, because, of course, I am Scottish and, you know, I don't think we should ever try and deny our past or feel differently about it. I love being Scottish, but I do feel a sense of belonging in Morocco because I'm so happy here and I I like the country and the people so much. But I am an outsider. I will always be an outsider. And I accept that. However, I find that I have a huge advantage because I play up the fact that I'm a guest (laughs) in this beautiful country massively. And, you know, I get welcomed with such extra hospitality. So truthfully, I feel very comfortable. I feel a sense of belonging in that sense. I feel very, very comfortable in Morocco. I continue to enjoy the wonder of learning new things every day. And that for me is just an enormous pleasure. And I milk the fact that I'm Scottish to the nth degree. <laughs> I sympathize as a 30-year expat. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you but, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, and still the, the best thing is when you speak to somebody, and when I speak to them in Norwegian, and they look at me like, oh, you? You're an American, and you speak Norwegian? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you're so, probably no, the I, only one. <laughs> I am one of very few, yeah. they're not Americans are not very good about learning foreign languages, so... Anyway, uh, yeah, I certainly uh, identify with you on that and uh, love being here, but I will use the uh, fact that I'm an American every chance I get. (laughs) All right, Jason writes, what alternative lifestyle would be attractive enough to make you walk away from your current one? There isn't one. It's, this is such it's such a great question because it made me feel really happy when I when I hear that question I'm like you know what I can honestly say there isn't another lifestyle I want to be in at the moment I love my life I am so lucky in that way. Do you think that it's an alternate lifestyle? Yes, I do. I mean, you know, the vast majority of people get married, have children. Mm. Um, are very involved with their families, have those responsibilities, and I've chosen not to do that. So I have a huge amount of freedom and a huge amount of emotional energy to spend on other people, not, you know, not close family. I mean, if you have two or three kids, you've got to, 
you know, you're going to spend most of your energy on that, whereas I haven't done that. So I've got all this all this spare to um, spend elsewhere. And I do. Um, so, yes, I would say it is definitely an alternate lifestyle, not a strange lifestyle, just an alternate one. And as we've discussed before, Vic, it's one mm. that I do have to justify. Uh, people always ask me, for example, why I'm not married, why I don't have children, why am I living in Morocco? Um, and they're not being aggressive in their asking, but they are. The, the subtext is, you're a weirdo. <laughs> why haven't I, you done normal mm. things? <laughs> so. I'd say you're a bigger weirdo in Morocco, probably, because they're, it's so traditional. Yes, I think that's a fair point. Absolutely. I mean, here, everybody gets married, basically. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody concentrates on the family. Sorry, I'm about to have a mouth of my apple cake. Excuse Please. me while you hear munching. It's warm. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, you can't not eat that. Mm. Uh, oh, while delicious. you're while you're chewing here, I do want to mention that Dr. Claire wrote a nice uh, comment about your photo, and Suvi wrote uh, that you look so happy with a big smile. Uh, which really weren't questions, but more statements. But I want to mention that they had written in and thank them for doing that. Uh, are you done chewing? I'm done chewing. <laughs> Monsieur writes, what drives and inspires you? What drives me is I, I would say I am ambitious. I think um, since being very young, I've been ambitious at school. I wanted to be top of the class. Um so where it's possible, I do want to succeed in my own eyes. I think my own success is how I judge myself. Um, when I was working in you know, traditional structures, I did want to get promoted. I did want to forge ahead. So I think it's just an innate thing, whether it comes from your parents, whether it's just a personality characteristic, I don't know. But I have always had that desire to progress, to succeed, to achieve something in my own eyes, it's not so much achievement in the eyes of the world because the world judges you as it will, but to feel that I've done something. Um, and what drives me now, I think if I have an underlying aim, and it's going to sound ridiculous, but it is an aim, I think I would, I just want to tell my stories. I want to share what I discover with people because um, basically I'm writing for an Anglophone audience mainly, and I'm living in Morocco. And I Today, I'm up in this ski resort with my friend Hayat, who's Moroccan. And, you know, I've definitely seen more of Moroccan than she has. So I tell her my stories as well. And it's about sharing new things with people and hopefully promoting understanding because we live in difficult times. We live in a difficult world. But when we understand each other, we like each other. So all I'm trying to do is both ways across the east-west divide, if you like to put it that way. Mm -hmm. I want to promote understanding because, as I say, when I know you and you know me, then we like each other. And then the world rolls along very smoothly. The, the world is a little less lonely. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, that's, uh, if you're going to be driven by something, that's an awfully good thing to be driven by. <laughs> it's a small thing, but honestly, if all of us were just, you know, a bit nicer to each other. Yeah. Good. <laughs> No, I agree. The world, the world would be a better place, and most people are basically really very nice, mm-hmm. very kind. I've, that's what I've found. It's almost universal. And Kaylee, our next person, writes a nice note. Um, says she's proud of you. Hopes you have a great time in your next adventure. And asks again, what's next? Which I guess we have addressed. 
Already. We have. We have. And now going on. Um, let's see. Jackie writes something you must have said, something that sounds incredible. How did you organize the ex, uh, expedition during COVID? And you responded to her, but you want to mention that again here with the. Uh... I do. So um, the latest expedition, the Atlas Expedition, which um, you can hear about on previous podcasts or read about on the blog, um, was a was a triumph, actually, because we sneaked it out. We started at the end of August and we finished just two weeks ago. And that the reason we were able to do it during COVID was that my expedition organizer, Jean-Pierre Dachary of Désert et Montagne Maroc, spent hours and hours and hours literally driving around the whole of Morocco, the whole of the route, and going and sitting in the governor's and the Wali's offices and explaining to them what we were doing. So explaining to them that we would be far from people, explaining to them that we'd wear masks, that I would take a test, um, that this was a third part of an adventure, that it would that it would promote Morocco mm -hmm. and keep Morocco high in people's thoughts, even though tourism at the moment is in abeyance, so that hopefully it would do some good for the country. Um, and he really took the time and did that. And when we came against really serious obstacles, which we did, when the government didn't want us to wander around in the time of Corona, he managed to get to the Minister of the Interior, who gave us his his personal position uh, permission. So the Minister of the Interior allowed us to do it. Uh, so really, that was the the problem that we faced was one of the authorities, as you can imagine, mm -hmm. because the route itself is the same whether it's COVID or not COVID. Um, so the difficulty was was just that we had to let everyone know what we were doing, and. Then during the expedition, we were always, every single day, we had a government official um, from the local area would, would find us and come to the bivouac. We would send our coordination points. And sometimes the poor things, I mean, it's somebody called a Mukaddam who is who who is kind of an overseer of their small region. And one I remember particularly, he was very elderly. He was in his mid-70s and we were in the middle of nowhere. So he he walked to meet us. And then he walked with us for a day and he was absolutely exhausted. And, you know, we, we, we laid down when we when we put the bivouac up, we, we put down um, some rugs for him and some cushions and got him to lie down. And then we gave him lunch and he had a little nap. But then he had to walk all the way back. We felt terrible. I mean, the poor guy, he was exhausted. He was absolutely lovely. And we he did get back safely. And Addi particularly is still in touch with him. So I hear that he's fine, his family are fine, and his health is fine. But I mean, that poor man had to do a 40 kilometer round trip on his two feet because he was from the government to make sure we were safe. You know? A dedicated uh, civil servant. Very dedicated. <laughs> from, let's see, yes, that was Jackie. Here we go. Dave writes, two-parter here. Is there an expedition you really want to do but haven't because of financial slash logistical slash technical reasons? Oh, my goodness. There really are a lot. I mean, something that makes me despondent, actually, is 
you know, my chosen area of interest is the Middle East and Africa, and there is so many security issues really around terrorism and the threat of kidnapping and mm. um, execution, which, of course, is something that none of us want to undergo. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it would be, I mean, it's your worst nightmare in a way. So um, I would love, I've long wanted to go to Iraq. Uh, that's impossible. I, I I think actually Iraq might be possible if I did it in a very a very um, small way. So that one, I'm a bit hopeful about. I would love to learn um, Persian and spend some time in Iran. In Iran. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, that there is a bit of a tit for tat um, government problem. It's not a security issue. It's a a government issue in that British writers have been incarcerated Mm -hmm. so that's a little bit off the cards although again i think it's possible but i would have to spend some time really talking to the iranian authorities and making sure they were comfortable with what i wanted to do so iran and iraq i'm very interested in and then the other place i've always very very much wanted to go to but again security at the moment is makes it incredibly difficult is libya because Mm. i think it's a it's meant to be an absolutely gorgeous country with some fantastic Roman ruins, which I would, yeah. you know, slightly desperate to explore. But, you know, let's see what happens. I think with all of those three, with mm, Libya, maybe not at the moment because it is quite lawless. I think with Iraq, it might be possible, as I say, in a very small way. And with Iran, if I were to get the blessing of the Iranian government to go, then I think it would be possible. So, so, so those are the kind of things that I'm really, you know, are definitely, definitely on my list. But it's it's being timely with them. Yeah, yeah, I understand the, the certainly the uh, security problems. That's uh, going to be tough. What about Tunisia? You could start in Carthage and walk. Uh, yeah, well. some, some, there's an idea for me. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that into consideration. <laughs> Also, if you want to come to Norway, it's a great walk from here to the North Pole, and I'd loan you a dog. He won't carry much, but, you know, he'd be, he's great company. Okay, I haven't done much cold stuff, but again, I'll take it under advisement. <laughs> uh, the second part of Dave's question is, also, how do you know Vic? Vic, I'm leaving that one to you so I can how eat some more apple know- cake. You, you go eat for it. some apple cake, and I will tell. I did a podcast with Roz Savage for several years. Uh, it started out being called Roz Rose. And then after she finished rowing the Indian Ocean, then we did Roz Roams when she was on land for a while. And then we did the Roz Savage Project together, which was a video podcast. So I we did a lot of things with Roz Savage, who was uh, an ocean roar is an ocean roar and you met how did you meet Roz you knew Roz or you've mm. spoken to Roz or I met her no I met Roz I, I have spoken with Roz I haven't met her in person I spoke to her through Sarah Williams who does the tough girl podcast which okay. you all must listen to if you haven't already because it's fabulous <laughs> and Roz and I got in just complete um um Sufal, uh, complete, uh, gosh, what do you, <laughs> coincidence, I listened to her podcast when it was on the Twit Network, uh, which is Leo Laporte's network in California, and she was at the Copenhagen um, Climate Conference, and her backpack got stolen, 
and I donated a little cash to help her get back in the the uh, get get going again. Right? They took her MacBook and everything she owned was go in that backpack, and they got it. So I donated a little money, and then she wrote me a thank you note, and I said, "Geez, you know, I I really have enjoyed your podcast with Leo. I, you know, I'd hate to see you quit." And uh, I said, by the way, I happen to have all the gear to do that with. And so that's how we started doing that. And then she uh, introduced you to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really enjoy doing it. And um, um, so there you go. That's how you and I met through Roz. And thank you very much, Roz, because Roz gifted me Vic. And oh. what a gift it was. What a gift it was. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Giant Dave and Eva write, or Ava, depending on where you're from. You'll be asked this a thousand times anyway, but what's the next challenge? Which I guess we have answered several we have, times. We've answered what the next adventure is, but I think the next challenge is writing the book, and then ah. I want to get back on my bike. Oh. Um, I yeah, I want to get back on my bike. I've just had sent it off to Marrakesh to be um, repaired because my derailleur is off. Um, but because of where I live, it is cycling is insanely difficult because you're at altitude and you're immediately going up, effectively. <clears throat> but that is the aim. So um, you know, we'll see. Next, when I come back, hopefully I'll have legs of iron and um, I will have some two wheeled challenges to report. Oh, cool. That's mm. great. One final question here, and it's actually a good one because, uh, um, well, gosh, I think we'd all like to come see you, but Chelsea writes, would you recommend visiting Morocco for the first time in the next few months, or is it still closed slash restricted? <clears throat> That's a really great question. Um, I would recommend you coming to Morocco for a number of reasons. One, uh, I think you'll find that it's safer here than it is in many European tourist destinations because the rate of COVID has actually been very low uh, and all the necessary precautions being taken. Two, because it will give you a different perspective because the African perspective is different from the European perspective. So you'll 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 refresh yourself. Um, I think you should, depending when you come, if there's still you know the vaccine, of course, is going to change things, but depending when you come, some places are already open. So, for example, I was at Etawira on the weekend, mm -hmm. which is on the beach. It's a beautiful medieval walled Portuguese city, and it's it's really open. Everything's, you know, vibrant because it, all the local stuff is still open, and they've got a few of the tourist shops open. So, somewhere like that, I think you could have a really pleasant week in, and then you could combine that with a week in the desert where things don't need to be open because you're out in the wilderness. So I think if you combined, combined a small city like Esauvira with a week in the in the beautiful countryside that Morocco offers, like the Atlas Mountains where I live, or the desert where I'm always traipsing across, I think you could come and have the most amazing holiday Um and, you know, if you if you want to look at having bespoke holidays, obviously do your research online. If you've got a bit of budget, Jean-Pierre, as I keep mentioning, who organized my expeditions, he does like 10 days walking holidays. Um, Epic 
epic travel, do bespoke holidays so they can, you know, book you what where you want to go. And I think whenever you if you're if you're booking through an agent, doesn't matter who it is, just talk to them about what you want and emphasize to them that you you want to go somewhere that has some life. Because for example, at the moment Marrakesh is still a bit quiet. I'm mm. actually going to spend four days there next week. I've been invited to the Mamunia Hotel to see their reopening on a press trip, which is oh rather marvellous. I know. I, I, I can't wait. I, do you know what I'm most excited about? I'm most excited about like spending some time in the bathroom, as in in the hot shower, as opposed <laughs> to my rather intermittent <laughs> effects that I have in the mountains. But no, so, so I will see. I, I would... I will put on my a blog about how open Marrakesh is or not, because I'll spend some time exploring the city a little bit and seeing what's what. But yes, come to Morocco. Just perhaps flex your plans according to the, the situation, mm -hmm. but do come. Well, I'd love to. How Can you fly directly into Osawera? Uh, yes, you can. There's an airport. There is. Well. There is. <laughs> we'll put that on the wish list. Well, that, that's the end of our questions Lovely. for today, Alice. I saw I logged into my dummy Facebook account that I keep so that I can do research for you. Uh, and I saw that you saved uh, a seagull. Oh, it was so lovely. You Jane and I. Him up in your I <laughs> well, to be honest, when it, when it, when the when the thing what happened was Jane and I, Jane Foley and I from Esabira were walking, doing an early morning walk on the beach at eight o'clock or so. Sun was just coming up, and this young dog was running and barking at a juvenile seagull which was at the shore edge in the waves. Mm. And so I, I I shooed him off. He was a lovely young dog, no, but you know dogs and birds. Right. So I shooed him off, and and the bird was struggling. It was it was a very young juvenile seagull still with its grey feathers and it was kind of going under the waves it was swimming away from me and I just thought it's a goner you know mm. these it's sad but it's a goner but Jane was like no it's just young I don't think anything's broken you know so I thought right no problem so I waded in to the sea I just went in all my clothes and <laughs> the problem was of course it was frightened so it kept swimming away from me a little bit um and I was you know I I wanted to grab it, but again, you've got to be careful with birds because a yeah. seagull's got a strong beak. So anyway, it kept going away from me. I thought if it goes much further, because I was up to, you know, past my tummy, I thought if it goes much further, I won't be able to grab it because I can't swim and chuck a jumper over a bird, mm -hmm. and, you know. But anyway, it, it was exhausted. It kept going under. It was awful. It kept going under the waves, you know, when a wave hits you and it yeah. kept getting hit. Anyway, I managed to get my jumper over it, thank goodness. And I was still had my feet on the ground and I walked back to shore and it didn't struggle I thought it would really you know because I had its wings tight but it, it really didn't struggle mm -hmm. and just where we were it's near a place called the castle where the rocks are if you know Eswira there's a kind of a sea lake a sea pond a bit further up and there were hundreds of seagulls there they all flew away when Jane and I walked up but we got up to there put it down and immediately it got up and walked away and settled itself in the middle of the lake so mm. Jane was right it wasn't injured it was just exhausted so thank goodness I went in and got it and we're hoping I mean Jane will go and check but if it's not there that's a good sign but hopefully it, it will fly free well it looked cold it was very chilly <laughs> I'd said I wanted to swim <laughs> Well, on that positive note, Alice, we're going to wind up this first season of Alice in Wonderland. 
And we'll be Marvelous. in touch with people when we get uh, rearranged and rescheduled to begin season two. Fantastic. And would we like people to leave reviews if they wouldn't mind and recommendations for us? That would be fantastic. On, what do they have to do, Vic? You, you know they this. Need to go to iTunes oh, so... and they need to go to iTunes and rate the show and then leave a review. And okay, that really, that would really help helps us. to get others to subscribe. Fantastic. Okay, that, everyone, you, you know what your mission is. We have to we have to crank out some more content then. <laughs> well, we'll be back. Well, hopefully we'll be back next year, won't we? Yeah. yeah. All right, Alice. Okay. Do you think in the meantime, people ought to buy my books and read them? I think that I think would, they should, Vic. I think they should, since you <laughs> do want to maintain your best-selling author status. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, everyone, take care. Have a good Christmas and winter. And hopefully, Vic, we'll, we will be back in the new year. We will be back in the new year. I'm sure we will. All right, Alice. Talk take to you care. then. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Talk bye. to you then. Bye.